was this thing marked Benghazi 2 and it had a 2019 date on it? I don't know. <laughs> it had the coordinates of every single Dairy Queen in Middle America. <laughs> <laughs> and, and clear plans to, to make it haram to eat marked, uh, a milkshake. It's marked a deplorable solution. <laughs> Final solution to the deplorable. <laughs> Uh, in parentheses, FEMA camps. <laughs> in two parentheses next to that, chemtrails. <laughs> in three parentheses, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, I thought that was just how her signature worked, is that she always put three parentheses around her own <laughs> signature. Well, she should can't, start signing legal she documents. Can't, like she that. can't write Lizardly Clinton on all of these documents. Lizardly. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> it's redacted everything but Lizard. Yeah, <laughs> why? You'd uh, think they'd have caught that, actually, but, you know. Jesus. Well, oh, let a... me tell you folks that. All right, I have looked through Hillary's campaign receipts, and there isn't a reason that a grown woman should buy crickets in bulk the way she does. <laughs> There's no way she has that. <laughs> oh, I can't even finish the joke. God damn it. Uh, now, there's another folder actually called Real Russian Collusion, and that's how she... <laughs> She sold all of our nuclear warheads to Vladimir Putin. Uh, and She really just and had a China. personal e email server because it was a warm thing to lay on at home. <laughs> <laughs> I was really impressed whenever I found her email, uh, lizardbabyraper69. Um, <laughs> Wait, was that one of the emails that Scott Pruitt was using that the Justice Department didn't know about? <laughs> it was Anthony Weiner's email on her server, actually. <laughs> I thought his unironic email was uh, kind of a molester at uh, gmx.de. <laughs> I was about to say, you, they didn't realize that, you know, they were like, Anthony, your domain, like, you, you can make the email whatever you want for the given domain. And he was like, no, 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 that's it. <laughs> I always thought his was more like, uh, I don't know. Nah, never mind. I lost it. I thought I had a joke, and it's gone now. Oh, I guess cancel the show. Oh. It's over. I still loved my hottest take that she purposefully lost the election so that she can become dictator for life. I mean, I mean we'll see. You know, well, okay, see what twenty twenty brings. No, because here's the thing: if 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 Trump resigns or impeaches, we get a Christian caliphate because uh, King theologian uh, Michael Pensery um, will just take over. See, I thought if 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 the president resigns, uh, then the right thing to do would be if. Um, you know, she, he resigns and then they just nominate her for president and Paul Ryan says yes, because it's only fair, you know, that's how it works, right? I did actually Wait. read someone making that argument on Twitter before. I've Is Paul that. Ryan still, no, he's not. Who's number three now? No, it is Paul Ryan. It's still Paul Ryan. Is it still? Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, that's right. 
even though he's like, Haven't heard him do help, a lot of help, 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 I want to leave, <laughs> help, help, help. He's doing the Boehner. Do you guys remember when Boner was like, guys, I'm done. Uh, I'm going to Chicago, yes. and if they yeah, try yeah, and yes. find me, I will hide. Yeah, I actually, he's never looked happier, good old Boner. Oh, dude, he looks stoked. He's, he well, he can smoke now again. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Honestly, he's probably one of the most relieved people to get out before now. He oh would. Oh my god. I, I don't think he would fare all that well in the new Republican no. Senate. I think uh, I thought we, we should do a, a bit here um, soon on uh, what we do follow ups on a lot of the uh, a lot of our favorites. Like I saw Scaramucci actually being interviewed on Fox News recently, and uh, oh, we got to be. Yeah, we gotta do some follow-ups on you know our our, our favorite Trump presidency members past. Did y'all see, how see, doing. see spicy see that thing with with Michael Avenatti and the Mooch on Colbert, and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna start a TV show," and it was like, "Oh man, really great that the uh, Republic's moving forward." <laughs> and and how it moves forward. Uh, um. Well, all right. Well. Uh, so this is your weekly dose of Red Star with absolutely no Russian saber-rattling. Uh, as important as the meeting between Trump and Putin may have seemed, uh, we've decided to instead try and focus on issues affecting people within the U.S. Uh, today uh, on the show. Uh, not to say that, you know, things in Russia aren't affecting certain individuals. Uh, I am sure that there are people in Britain who are like, Please stop poisoning our water with nuclear irradiated stuff, please. Um, as uh, as frustrating as it can be to see uh, despots, I mean, Putin is like essentially the closest living thing we have to a Bond villain. Uh, tell lies on national television. Um, it's such a distraction from so many of the terrible political decisions and actions by the government that are occurring every day. Uh, so that's what we wanted to focus on on the show this week. Um it's a hard thing to see open election meddling and U.S. support of a man who routinely murders activists and journalists, not to mention targets violence against marginalized communities such as the LGBTQIA plus communities and ethnic minorities throughout the Balkans and Russia. Um, it is also difficult as people raised to follow international politics to see this as anything but a major strike against NATO and peace resolutions that have stood since 45, not to mention the recent war crimes committed against Ukraine. Uh, with all this in mind, we want to give you a break from the saber-rattling and nationalist discussions and try and focus on the difficult issues facing Americans today within our own country. Uh, regardless of political outcomes or who is president, there are atrocities going on every day against Americans and against people trying to live their lives and be productive members of the communities they find themselves in. And we are interested in exploring those stories. So have a good week and let's get into the show. Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong Way down yonder in the Indian nation Ride my pony on the reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born now we're down yonder in the Indian nation The cowboy's life is my occupation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born I'm Adam Bennett, and this week we've got a full red star of Stephen Lastman, Parker Nelson, and Coral Roberts on the show this week. 
And this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. Uh, for national stories this week, we're going to hit a little bit of um, what's going on in Chicago with their female prison population before going on to kind of a few um, environment uh, environmental stories uh, that we thought were important. Then we're going to go, and for Oklahoma news, we're going to do a piece by the Tulsa World uh, about food insecurity in uh, Oklahoma and the Tulsa Metro, and then another actual piece by the Tulsa World about um, poultry farms in northeast Oklahoma uh, for, of course, having a conservative reading list and doing socialist events of the week. So let's jump right on in. Um, this is a article from the Chicago Tribune that we're reading from. Um, uh, it's entitled, Prison is Not Where Women Need to Be. All Female Task Force Wants to Cut Illinois' Female Prison Population in Half. Um, I thought this was a really interesting story, especially because last week we discussed that Oklahoma has uh, the highest incarceration rate in the world. Um, And so I thought it was interesting because we do have so many people in jail and we do have so many people um, that are dealing with that to kind of talk about how other places in the U.S. um, are trying to deal with their uh, female or with their incarceration experts uh, or with their incarceration uh, problems. Um, So uh, on Wednesday of this week, um, they uh, Chicago assembled a 100 member all female task force of experts, current and former prison officials and formerly incarcerated women to And they have announced that they are starting a seven-year effort to bring down by 50% the number of women in the Illinois Department of Corrections. Uh, The task force, which includes uh, an Illinois Supreme Court justice and a Cook County state's attorney, um, plans to consider a wide range of options, everything from changing laws to designing more social service programs. And it kind of goes through um, a few of the ideas they have. And, and, and it is an interesting article. I'm sure we'll put it up on the Reddit post. But um, I just kind of wanted to use it as a, as a place to talk about the fact that um, incarceration and prison populations aren't necessarily um, reflective just of, of – of, of, I don't know. I, I hear a lot of people, especially in Oklahoma, who want to get up in arms about – you know, whenever you say, well, we have the more people in prison than ever. Shouldn't we, you know, try and do, well, they're criminals and they deserve to be there and they need to learn their lesson before they rejoin society. And like, that's not true. <laughs> um, there, I mean, you know, there are of course dangerous people at points who do need to be taken away from the people that they are being dangerous to. Um, that being said, um, when you're incarcerating so many people, uh, especially for things that may not necessarily be like in the classic sense is immoral, um, and you know, things that have other, other, other answers such as, you know, property crimes, you know, when poor people are stealing to try and feed themselves or addiction crimes when poor, when, when again, poor people, are stealing or using drugs to deal with a mental health or a physical health issue that uh, they aren't receiving proper care for, so they're attempting to self-medicate, um, and then they get in trouble. Um, I, I, those kind of things can be dealt with 
through social services and law reform that doesn't just mean that not only are you taking people out of their families, not only are you taking people out of the work population and essentially reducing them to slavery so that they can work for, I mean, as we've seen in Oklahoma, private prisons. But private prisons. You 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 give these. I mean I mean you know, and you can look at this article, and you can look at the breakdown in populations. You can give these. Uh, I mean, women and mostly minority women. I mean, the most marginalized community uh, of people. Uh, you know, a chance rather than you know, kind of just. Throwing them in jail and you know making that where they they stay and they have to deal with. But if you actually give them a chance outside of jail, they'll you know probably help their families and be able to grow a community and be you know good workers and do all those kind of good things. Well, this Illinois uh, program seems pretty promising. It just the fact that they're changing laws and designing more social services problem. Uh, programs because this is really the way to deal with a large incarceration problem is look at it holistically and actually build structures that aren't just for punishment. I mean, like drug charges are such a big part of felonies and that is still treated as a crime and not a public health factor as it should be. And right, yeah. actually taking a look at that is like the way to do it, do it, not increasing punishments or, you know, anything punitive. Like, yeah, exactly. And the, the the things the thing about our justice system in particular is that it is very punitive. And I mean, wouldn't you say that comes out of like uh, a lot of maybe like Puritan esque beliefs, where we're all about like punishing and smiting the evil as opposed to like necessarily attempting to rectify it? It's something that's very easily demonized and you know hidden away than it is you know actually addressed. And so, I mean, granted, what part of our society doesn't actually have that problem? But I think that's definitely contributed to the myriad of any, any type of like prison industrial challenges here in the United States as opposed to other places. For sure. uh, uh, so I want to read part of this article. Uh, the women who gathered came from all over the Chicago area, uh, a diverse group who shared harrowing stories of poverty and both physical and sexual abuse in and out of prisons. Prisons were made from, uh, this is a quote, quote, Prisons were made for men, and they are made to traumatize, said Celia Colon. Uh, here's the rest of the quote. Quote, they were not made for healing, unquote. Uh, this report uh, also highlighted the growing body of research on the troubled backgrounds of incarcerated women in Illinois. According to the studies done in the state's prison system, a shocking 98% have experienced physical abuse at some point in their lives, about 75% sexual abuse, and 85% intimate partner and stalking abuse. So, I mean, I think this That's, goes exactly to what both of you were saying in that, like, this well, yeah, is... Yeah, how, how can you expect to help people in an environment like that? Yeah, like, yeah, there's no way people. that you're not going to come out of that better off in any way. No, and that's not the and that's not and that's not the prison's goal either. No, it's not. It's yeah, it's to it, be scary. It's to yeah. be an unpleasant place, which doesn't work. Yeah, while well, simultaneously I, filling beds in order to guarantee funding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the like you know, Parker, you were kind of talking about it with like you know the the roots of the Puritan ideas, and I mean that is a big part of where punitive uh, justice comes from. 
uh, is that you know you've committed a moral crime against God, also known as and and the God's power on earth is through the king, and the king's justice is righteous, and he rids as evil opposed of to the society, world. yeah, and the state. Yeah, well, and and, and as opposed. And as opposed to looking at this at looking at crime as an output where there is an input somewhere, uh, and to look at it and say, "Oh, okay, well, you know where we see a lot of property crimes with incredibly poor people. What if we gave them, you know, the things they needed to, you know, not need to steal?" And then the other, you know, and the other side of it is, you know, the same with the, um, uh, with the drug abuse, you know. Okay, you have all this, all this abuse. Maybe you should give these people some access to some really good mental health care and some some safety. Maybe we should get them into well lit streets and clean streets and clean housing and affordable housing and get them um, some ability to uh, have a say in their own lives for the first time. Uh, that's one of the things that I, I, I see in this so much is that, you know, so especially, especially, you know, these women is that they have been a part of this system since they were in grade school and they've never had a say. They always were being told by, a, you know, if it wasn't a teacher, it was a principal. And if it wasn't a principal, it was a boss. And if it wasn't a boss, it was a CEO. And they've spent their whole lives being told what they can and can't do. And guess where it ended up? Not helping them at all. Well, and we see, you know, like it, like we deal with everything in this country. We are reactive or reactionary towards this, so we never look for root causes. We just see a crime and have to deal with it, rather than delving any deeper than the fact that a crime happened. So we need to seek justice. We're never well, proactive yeah. in building, you know, it's, a it's better prologue to the story of you going to jail. And that not only is it that, but it's like no. Nobody apparently has the attention span for anything to look past the first level of, well, a wrong occurred, not necessarily looking for root cause, right? Not necessarily trying to um, delve a little bit deeper into finding actual solutions when um, just being a part of this big sort of uh, uh, structural complex, right? And just like maintaining your part in it as uh, as a means of, I guess, survival or just not necessarily like pushing for change because either A, it doesn't affect you or B, you know, you, nobody takes the time to actually put, I mean, it's effort, laziness, I'm not even really or, sure. Yeah, what, I mean, you, know, can't, what you, can't tell, you can't tell a, pol- a politician that you're going to have to spend money for t- Well, did we lose Can last you- Lassie, cut out oh, for a second. Okay. Say what you were going to say again. Oh, well, I mean, it, you know, you can't tell a politician that this is a 10-year-long program that you'll see results on, you know, 18 years down the line or something like that because they want results within an election cycle. And if that doesn't happen, then, you know, all too many politicians don't give a shit. Oh, well, so we I need lifetime appointments a- for everybody? Okay, okay, we can do that. <laughs> I think that'll work. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it'll make see, them less biased. <laughs> where people were born and then they received the position and they knew their kids were going to receive it so that they'd have to take care of it for their family. What if we, what if, I don't know. I don't, maybe that would be good. That would work. See, I think a better solution actually is to turn over the regulation of these people to Netflix. Yes. And, and contract <laughs> out more 
Orange is the New Black, you know, humanize these people in in prisons and uh, just give them all contract deals, but sub, 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 substandard contract deals. See, that's what I'm saying. I, we need to, I mean, you know, let's face it, guys. We're wrong. We're stupid. Socialism isn't going to ever work. and It's never going to come to America. So we just need to fully embrace the future corporate caste system and, like, start to, like, legislate it. You know, you can work as one of the three levels of the cast in Netflix, or you can take a step up and go work for HBO, and they've got four cast levels, so you could even go up a little higher, and they can get some movies. I don't know, with that Time Warner merger, we we don't know, we don't know what their cast system is about to be like. Well, let me tell you, they have actual stormtroopers to, uh, (laughs) to uh, (laughs) enforce their caste system. They're, they're working on vertical integration, so they are gonna uh, merge with the private prison, and then mm. actually just force them to act. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that's about all I had on that um, on that Chicago Tribune piece. Uh, I'm gonna throw it over to Carl, and I know we picked a, a few stories about the uh, the environment to cover this morning. Yeah, um, there's, there's just a bunch of stuff going on with the environment, and I think it's really important to talk about because uh, we're, we're all going to get killed by capitalism pretty soon. <laughs> we're um, going to die. There's, uh, hey, there's bro, it was study. 111 fucking degrees here the other day. I it literally, and with the allergy counts, Mother Nature is trying to kill us. I saw, it's pretty I phenomenal. Saw, all the plant comes just gumming up my works. Like, like some heat indices in Oklahoma, and it was like 100 fucking 17. And I was talking to some friends. I was like, oh, yeah. I was, you know, we were like talking about the weather. I was like, yeah, back home it's, a, it's 117. And they were just like, that's that's a joke. Like, that's just not possible. <laughs> well, what the we, fuck? Are we you went out to the about? Bricktown Beach last night for a free concert for a 90s cover band, mm-hmm. right? And the wind, it was 96 degrees when it was dark, like completely God. dark. And that's the disgusting. wind was like, I don't know if you ever had a space heater be blowing on you when it's really <laughs> yes. cold, but imagine like just that outside without any like sort of moisture it was it was utterly horrible and i had swamp ass you know it was not i need weather nature to stop it too bad i mean it, it is too bad because that's like the 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 world we're going to be living in i think that that's a that's like a really good point to start talking about uh, this one swamp story. Ass? uh yeah swamp <laughs> ass is a direct result of capitalism um <laughs> Uh, but there's this uh, story out of the New York Times about about heat in India, uh, because apparently India pretty soon is going to be so hot that it's literally not inhabitable anymore, um, because it's getting up to temperatures like that, right? Where it's like, oh, 110, 111 degrees, um, and they're having this problem in India now where like, and this is also a problem in Oklahoma, it's, it's a very real problem in Oklahoma, where old people just... Uh, to some extent, extent can't survive anymore mm-hmm. uh, because they have to have yeah, air conditioning. Um, die because of lack of AC. Yeah, that's, like that's one thing. Not just in India, we're familiar with that. Yeah, it's like it's like the one kind of socialist thing in Oklahoma is that the government gives you air conditioning. At least I know they have a program in Tulsa where if you're poor and can't afford AC, they will give you a window unit for the summer because you will fucking die. And mm-hmm. With how it's going in India, it's basically going to be a situation where pretty soon, 
<laughs> well, yeah, they're going to have to put a whole window unit on the subcontinent, right? <laughs> I don't know how that works. Elon Musk maybe uh, could solve that problem. No, have you, you got to get a Ken Moore. Yeah, no, have you not watched um, uh, Futurama? It's not a, a window <laughs> unit. They just drop a giant piece of ice into the ocean. Come on. <laughs> Solving okay, the well, forever. I was already, I was already gonna make tsunami jokes, but we really shouldn't. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, really shouldn't make tsunami it. jokes. <laughs> it's not just in bad yeah, taste; I mean, it's almost illegal. <laughs> it's India is gonna be like one of the worst affected, not just because they're super vulnerable to high temperatures, but also because they have such a high population. That's like, a high, a high population and a high poverty rate, an extremely mm, high poverty yeah. rate. And those two things and, combined, like, everybody's in Europe is fucking losing their shit over refugees right now, but if all of a sudden the Indian subcontinent becomes uh, becomes un uninhabitable and, like, half a billion people have to leave in very short order, you know, that's going to be the refugee crisis that literally ends the international system as it exists today. Well, like, I think we've mentioned this before on the show, or I, I know I've read it this in various places but the whole like anti-migrant anti-refugee wave that's sweeping the u.s and europe is a response to the effects we're going to see down the road with climate change with millions and millions and possibly up to billions of climate refugees having to leave you know a lot of these uh developing countries that aren't really responsible for climate change but are the most affected by it the global south yeah yeah and, and, and and we're not doing. And what's going to happen is it's only going to intensify. I mean, even with the the refugee crisis from Syria, the Syrian civil war has its roots in uh, economic problems caused by climate change uh, affecting the Euphrates Valley, you know, in the country. So already, that's like already a thing that's that's indirectly affecting this. And it's just, it's going to keep getting worse. There are some other things I want to talk about that are going on right now with the climate. Um, there's a new study out about monarch butterflies and they like food and how they eat uh, and concentrations of CO2 in plants. Some scientists apparently put like gruesome plants with uh, concentrations of CO2 that are going to match up with future concentrations. And apparently like the food was uh, had roughly like 33 percent the nutritional value it had had previously or something. Um, so you're just going to get tiny butterflies? Uh, no, it's, no it's, butterflies. It's, and it's not <laughs> just butter. It's not just butterflies. You know, this is a problem. That, like the butterflies. Um, okay, it was a seventy-seven percent reduction in parasite tolerance. Apparently, that's that's a bit different, but still, that's really terrible, right? Um, and the thing is, like these butterflies are kind of a canary in the coal mine, right? Because it's not just happening to the food butterflies eat. It's happening to every plant on the planet. You know, well, it's like the bee problem. That's like. <clears throat> they're the biggest pollinators and with them dying off you lose a whole lot of different plant varieties same thing with the monarchs yeah it's just that i mean the thing with the the bees is that you know that's so it's it's definitely climate change in some sense but we don't really know like the method that it's happening with the reduction in the bee population but we know here through this study that specifically the increase in co2 caused by the use of fossil fuels is 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 going to be start causing health problems for us you know, extremely soon, right? And that's that's another thing, you know. Oh, you think there's going to be this massive wave of refugees because India is going to be unlivable? What what about when, like, the Iowa breadbasket yeah. collapses, you know? 
because you can't produce enough food there and all of a sudden we have a hotter drier planet and a much greater need for food because it's way less nutritious like this mm-hmm. it, it, it is it is terrifying what is going on right now um, well I mean in a world like that I I really I mean we obviously capitalism is unsustainable but like prioritization or resource allocation becomes so much more important I don't see how you can like I mean socialism or barbarism is really Mm-hmm. how this period of history is going to shake out if we don't figure out how to allocate resources on yeah we need to start by allocating Lassie some more internet yeah a little more bandwidth for Lassie would be <laughs> optimal yeah I, I know I, I noticed in this article it says so uh, monarch populations in North America have plunged 95% since the 1980s um, I mean you know it, 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 it's a That's research. basically all of our lifetimes, you know. Yeah, I mean, this is something that, that you know we can we can look at and say, well, my kids won't won't, won't well, monarch butterflies will be a picture in a book unless yeah, we do going, something. They're gonna go the way the dino, the dinosaurs unless we we radically white change rhinos. Something. Yeah, polar bears maybe. Um. Yeah. Probably. The, probably polar bears too. Uh, the last I mean, thing I want to. But they taste so delicious. That's just <laughs> what can be done about that. There's nothing tastier than than the flesh of the last of, of its kind. And you get to wash it down with Coca-Cola. <laughs> Ice cold. <laughs> it's a complimentary by Oh Elon. Uh, this segment is, oh, is actually Bezos, sorry. <laughs> sponsored by Coca-Cola. <laughs> by Nestle. Um no, it's that should be a taste of ad Coke. Those diet Nestle. Coke ads where it's just like Hey, are you a person? Do you like to drink soda even though we know for a fact that it rots your brain and gives you Alzheimer's? <laughs> well, don't care. Next, don't uh, care. I, I don't those, care. Uh, polar bears, but they're emaciated on a shrinking iceberg. We're, we're starting a Diet Coke <laughs> rant really quickly. So I went to a show at Red Rocks in Colorado, and there was they had a Diet Coke stand of these fucking new Diet Coke flavors of like ginger lime, twisted mango, Diet Coke, zesty blood orange, Fiesta cherry. Yeah, we need to solve this environmental yeah. crisis problem that's because the, I don't know what the That's the type of world that you could live in if Comrade Mayor Bloomberg didn't make us drink tiny ass soda sizes. Yeah, the the Democratic People's Republic of Michael Bloomberg. Uh, <laughs> known nothing's more socialist than being a billionaire, right? Um, uh, hey, Carl. <laughs> We're already running a bit. We're already at 35 minutes. Do you want to just yeah, miss this third story and just go on to Oklahoma news? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fine. Cool. I think it's cool, too. All right. Yeah. Well, we're moving on to Oklahoma news. So uh, who's telling me about food insecurity in Oklahoma? Is that you, Lassie? That is. Um, this is a Tulsa World article entitled, Local Leaders Say Pervasive Hunger Impacting School and Workplace Performance in Tulsa. Uh, pervasive hunger and food insecurity is taking a toll on the health and success across the Tulsa area, but a significant portion of eligible re- residents have not been seeking the assistance provided. Um, the Tulsa Regional Chamber hosted a forum just last Tuesday on hunger in Tulsa and the side effects that food access has on school and workplace performance in the local economy. And they noted that the low performance uh, in national rankings of a variety of health, educational, and economic indicators showing that, you know, Oklahoma's 
food insecurity is not stacking up super well with the rest of the country. Um, it's a major part of like why we end up at the bottom of a lot of these uh, lists, just because students and workers don't perform well when you have one of the most basic needs that you're not sure about. How can you, you know, get anything else in your life together before you're able to secure eating? Um, it says the uh, Tulsa Public Schools says that 80% of the district students qualify for free or reduced rate school meals based on household income. Uh, so which I, is like that's I, a that's a shocking number. That's, that is, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a staggering so, high number. So I, I I I read that in this article, and it actually reminded me of one of like the first conversations I had about socialism with Parker, um, where he was like. Do you realize that he he was explaining to me that the stigma related to welfare? It was like if you qualified for welfare, why wouldn't you take it? It's there. It's from the state. No, you're not hurting anybody. Why wouldn't you take it? And like that is a great example. Is there's this stigma uh, where all these people in Tulsa schools are like, you know, who might qualify are like, oh, 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 oh I'm not gonna get free and I'm not gonna go sign up for that shit. I'm not a blah blah blah. And then who really suffers from it is their kids. Right. Well, well and it's I like, think that goes back to something that's true of every social program, which is that you really do need to make it for everyone, not just for the poor. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah. pulling up by your individual bootstrap mentality kind of bullshit, nobody ever wants to admit that they need help or any of those types of things. And once again, I mean, this is endemic of a lot of our social problems. It's that we can't go beyond, hey, does it affect me? If it affects me, am I embarrassed by it? You know what I mean? How do I actually mobilize and collectively like perform some social change where it's necessary? Well, we're so poisoned by individualism here that that's such a like huge barrier to get across is, oh, maybe something that's not good for me could be good for all of us anyway. Well, and I think too, like the, the kind of like familial structure that's so like embedded in American ideology is such that it's, it's this double whammy of shame if you have kids that are going hungry because that's the one fucking thing you're supposed to do is provide for provide. your kids. You know, if you have kids, it's such a big deal in American society. And then it well, yeah, that I mean, you can't do that, you know. It has got to be super hard even if... And it's and it's something that's a, a failure of, of, of your own making. That's how it's treated as well, you know. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, that's usually kind of the one thing that capitalism that goes beyond the pale in american capitalism is when kids start to suffer that's when they will actually institute something i mean like these free and reduced lunch programs we usually i mean i think the teacher strikes a good example of it too like the fact that there was a huge outcry in oklahoma for how bad our schools have gotten because these types of super negative effects on kids is the one thing that we can kind of all collectively agree is beyond the pale for yeah. you know Right, and they're kind of getting it towards the end of the article, right? Like that one of the executive directors of the Tulsa Dream Center says, full employment doesn't necessarily mean people can provide for everything they need. A ton of jobs here pay 10 or $11 an hour. Think about supporting a family on that. The math doesn't work. And so we're like what? almost there to being able to being like, oh, um, here is like a semi-coherent analysis of some, some wages that can actually support people. Um, let's not take it to the next step and be like, hey, we need like wage reform and to address the disparity in wealth here in the United States and how, you know, uh, you structures. Mean, you mean to, to tell like, me, Parker, that oh, a minimum wage so set, what, 10 years ago 
hasn't hasn't uh, what wasn't, wasn't wasn't affected by inflation? No, I think it was more recent than that. I just yeah, I just have read seven twenty five is pretty recent. Yeah, that seven twenty five was like two thousand seven. I thought. Yeah, that's almost ten. That's more than ten years ago. That's true. That's true. It's eleven years ago. <laughs> Holy shit! Don't, don't you have like a degree in like a number things? <laughs> what the fuck, Mister? I got the journalist here who's supposed to be able to do research. Just because I can do math doesn't mean I have the numbers. Hey, I don't. No, you. What? You can. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, does anyone else have anything? Any any other hot takes um, on uh, this story? I want to read uh, this hunger in Tulsa by the numbers, if that's cool with y'all. Before we move on, yeah, yeah. I, I want to. Well, I, I just want to say a couple, like a few more things, because yeah. like if you look at this, if you look, I've been doing some research on hunger in Oklahoma uh, in the past few days, um, and if you look. You know, the, the western part of the state, less populated, is a bit less hungry than the eastern part of the state. And where do you have more, in, you know, more, more indigenous peoples in Oklahoma? Oh, in the eastern part. So it's like this thing that, that continues, too. And if you look at the, the children who are go- going hungry, I mean, there are plenty of white children going hungry just because most children are going hungry. But, you know, like, it's, it's black and brown children are overrepresented. And, like... In the whole state right now, I know it's 80% in Tulsa, and that's insane, but in the whole state, 60, 61 or 62% of children have access to free, free or reduced lunches. Like, we are not, you know, people love to, and we're going we're gonna to hear some more about this uh, later in the conservative reading list, um, people love to hit on communism and socialism uh, because it's not feeding people, right? That's always, I think, that's always the fun line, of the line. makes. Yeah, like, Oh, you're gonna have to wait to get food, and 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 that's that's life right now in Oklahoma. That's life right now. Not not just for adults. Not just for people who 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 you could say fucked up or something. You know, you can't excuse children going hungry. There's no way around that. And and the fact that that many children have to get one meal a day or maybe two if they also get breakfast at school. If, if if socialism was a failure because it can't feed people, by your logic, you know, so, so is capitalism. And there's a reason why we have to say, it. you know, there's a reason I think it's important to say that. Because fucking children, man. Fucking children. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, Read don't fuck numbers. children. Just give children food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Capitalism, the real child predator. Oh God! <laughs> um, well, Parker, do you want to do you want to tell us about what's going you, on with uh, the poultry industry in Northeast Oklahoma? Did you not have some numbers for us? Was that not? Oh, I did. I, yeah, I walked right it. past it. Oh my yeah. goodness! Um, yeah. So, approximately one in these all come from Hunger Free Oklahoma. Approximately one in six Tulsa residents is food insecure or lacks reliable access to efficient quantity of affordable, nutritious food. 18.9% of Tulsa County residents live in a food desert. That's all. Fifth of the population of Tulsa County. 13.9% of Tulsa County residents receive food stamps. Only 66% of all food stamp eligible Tulsa residents access the program. Four out of five Tulsa public school students qualify for free or reduced rate student meals. The thing about the free and reduced rate student meals, and I'll also tell you guys, I don't know if we have any parents listening or anyone who is affected by that. I'll also tell you, if your student qualifies for that, you also qualify for a whole bunch of stuff, including getting cheap and reduced internet at home. 
which is good. Which is good, yeah. and you should yeah. use it. <laughs> yeah. So That's I, one of those things that frustrates me, too, that 66%, it, it, you know, is getting utilized because it's it, it, it's one of those things where, like, they're, we, we obviously need to change some structural things about our economy if we're going to solve hunger, right? But the fact that participation is so low, it's like, you know, we could be moving forward on this issue in some way right now without having to change anything, you know? You don't, nobody has to get elected. Nobody has to do anything. You just have to get the information out to those people and then convince them to use it. Yeah. And that is so important, I think, because it's just, it's fucking, people are going hungry, not just because they... Not just because capitalism is keeping them from doing it, but but because at this point they just, for some reason, aren't getting. I mean, it's literally an access. awareness campaign, or yeah. yeah, there's some stigma around it. They don't want to have to overcome. Oh, I think don't even start about the stigma around the uh, the awareness campaign. That would be, oh god, the backlash. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. I know. I, well, and that's another thing: the fact that something like this would get backlash, or like you know, they're advertising there are... food stamps on the radio. Can you believe them, Democrats? I think yeah, that can, I mean, like a country like Cuba, you could be very critical about a lot of parts of that country, but they do guarantee things like food and housing, and like that's it's not a place where people go hungry, and they're way worse off economically than we are. We, I mean, we should this cut out again. Mm -hmm. Need some more bandwidth, be... Lassie. Damn, <laughs> um, I think it was Sanders had a. Damn it! Sanders doesn't have any bandwidth for you. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> well, reallocate me more bandwidth, government. That's <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll talk to the Soviet. The, yeah, the Bernie Sanders rally. You said that the uh, richest three Americans have as much wealth as the bottom 50% of Americans, which is staggering. <laughs> like, that's... Jeff if Bezos. That, Jeff Bezos alone could feed everyone, like, and put us all in Ferraris and homes. He literally, he could literally, and this is not a joke. This is true. He would have over twenty billion dollars still left in his bank accounts. Probably way more than that now because he's still been making so much money. If he personally paid for the entirety of Tanf uh, and Snap himself out of pocket one year. Yeah, he I mean, would Elon still Musk have... could solve this problem if he wasn't spending all of his time calling heroes pedophiles on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, because Elon Musk's solution would be to make a submarine that uh, drowns you in a cave um, <laughs> for a food problem. But it'll look fucking sweet, bro. Like, do you understand that it'll have LED panels hey, hey, hey. on the side that'll light up and it'll say, Elon, Elon, Elon. I might even have, like, a RSS feed with his Twitter account, like, just streaming across the side of it. It'll be all glow. Oh, okay. It'll be blue glowy underneath and red on top. It'll be fucking sleeky shit, motherfucker. See, the, there'll you be an iPod where he calls you a chimp if you say something critical of him. And then you're like, that's kind of a weird insult. And then you remember he's South African. And you're like, oh, that makes sense now that he calls people chimps, huh? Hmm. See, the part of your story that you forgot was that he also blasted that cave with the submarine in it into space. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My favorite tweet was I saw someone say that Elon Musk is that guy who forgets his beer in the fridge at the party and then just says, oh, well, I guess it was a gift for them. Just leaving a submarine <laughs> back behind in the cave. It's like, that's for next time children get stuck yes. in the cave. 
Oh, my God. All right, uh, Parker, do you want to tell us about poultry farms in northeast Oklahoma? Oh, yes. Uh, so a, uh, a group gathered at the Pegs Community Center Sunday um, made it clear for uh, that, that any people running for a political office this fall um, best be aware about things like water shortages, um, water quality, air quality, and health regarding um, these poultry farms bringing up in uh, uh, northeast Oklahoma. I mean, they're organizing to address issues uh, they have with new and expanding uh, poultry farm operations, specifically with Simmons Food. Um, they basic uh, there's accounts uh, throughout this article from a couple of different uh, members, uh, including Cherokee. Uh, nation council members um, saying that they, uh, quote, can't seem to escape poultry farms. And it's uh, like dozens are like he has 50 chicken houses within two miles of his home, which is a lot of fucking chickens. Like, I thought we had a problem here in Edmond with like the dog food company and shit like that, where uh, we, we can get into that. But an increase in uh, chicken house numbers comes with uh, planned construction of an upgraded poultry processing facility about 25 miles away in Arkansas. Um, and they, uh, the, the Simmons Foods is building a new plant 2.2 miles north of an existing plant in Gentry. Um, it's set to open in 2019 and expand full capacity by 2022. Um, they expect a 16% increase in number of chickens processed, and it'll take the area an uh, increase of slightly more than 200 chicken houses, about half of which we built on existing <laughs> in Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Missouri, um, according to the Simmons Foods spokesperson. Now, um, the... The Oklahoma Department of Agriculture, Food, and Forestry on its website lists 41 licenses for newer expanded poultry operations over the past 20 or over the past 12 months of 25 total licenses under Simmons. Two more are pending applications that do not yet list a location. Two are listed for Mays, three for Ader, and one one listed each listed for Cherokee, Ottawa, and Craig counties. So um, people are pretty upset about this, um, and they're actually upset, uh, pretty upset about uh, that operations uh, like that. Or about wells maybe going dry it was a major concern with me. a lot of families. Granted, there's no clear evidence to point to the poultry operations expansion as a cause for the recent water problems, but I mean, it could be attributed to droughts. They really want um, to uh, a moratorium on new and expanded operations until we can know more about the associated risks and some better guidelines and regulations, just because there's like so much, there's like no regulation whatsoever when it comes to this like well, yeah any any like factory livestock facility is just incredibly pollutive and is right just, I mean, it's shit. poison it's all this shit yeah. it's 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 literally chicken shit like that like so i grew up in northeast oklahoma and i i i like this this story is insane um so one of the one of the, here's a great quote quote from uh, bobby foreman of leech it's terrifying without water there is no life I have to drive 10 miles to do laundry at a laundromat now instead of doing it in my own home because the water is so polluted. And, like, I grew up in that area, and I can remember going to streams, and you would see the big foam, the big yellow foam that would sit on the edge of the bank, and you just knew, like, that's poison. I cannot get in that water, or it will make me incredibly, incredibly, incredibly sick. And there's just no regulation for it. And, I mm -hmm. mean, you know... We always harp on it, but I mean, this is another place where it's just like Jesus. Cap right. free market isn't the way to go, guys. <laughs> you just like killing all people. All operations must be licensed by the department, and any other operations that disturb more than one acre of land must have a building permit that addresses stormwater management. But placement of like the houses in relation to homes and other structures or watersheds is is like not regulated at all, like at all. Well, on top of that, too, a really big part of the problem is that Arkansas has a lot less, a lot looser regulations 
and a lot, you know, like the Illinois River, mm-hmm. um, you know, the wonderful Get Drunk and I Hope Nobody Drowns Float River, uh, mm-hmm. uh, c- comes in with a lot of other rivers out of nor- northeastern Arkansas, uh, northwestern rather, Arkansas, and they don't have that much regulation because the water flows into the state, and that's what happens, you know. So mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, we may have loose regulations, but at least they have to have some kind of policy about stormwater. But then in Arkansas, we, and what you just described, Adam, is the kind of shit we have to put up with because there's no regulations over there. And then because, you know, we have these fucking ghouls in the state, in the attorney general's office, uh, they don't do anything about it. And they just let it go. Like fucking Scott Pruitt when he was AG literally let a case go and did not fight it about Arkansan chicken shit showing up and destroying the natural beauty of green country. He was just like, eh, who gives a shit? Ha <laughs> ha, chicken poop's cool. I eat it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, it does. Does. Well, and it is. That's one of the requirements to be head of the EPA, I thought, was to actually <laughs> go on a Fear Factor-like show and be like, how committed are you to the environment? Here's a bowl of chicken shit. Chicken Slurp shit. it down. Ugh. <laughs> the, head, the head of Tyson is just like, if you don't eat this chicken shit, I will end you. <laughs> Can that uh, be like the exit requirement for the EPA director is you have to drink a cup of whatever the dirtiest body of water in America is? Oh my god, yes. Oh my god, we would have the cleanest water in the whole fucking world. Yeah, we... You have to do just about every every regulation you undergo. I mean, you gotta you gotta boot some uh, some wastewater from oil rigs. This is this know. is my new political cause now. <laughs> you have to you have to like go to the Hanford site and bathe in it for an hour and hope you don't like throw an extra penis or like get like exactly. twenty extra nipples or something. Or do you lose your extra penis? Nobody wants oh that. Oh my god! If I lost my extra penis, I would lose my fucking mind. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I think that I don't think that that's actually the worst plan in terms of being able to like fucking. Uh, if you force people to actually face the garbage of regulation instead of abstracting it out to some garbage political, like politically charged studies, then maybe we get some environmentally bullshit done. Uh, other issues raised by the group of pegs include road damage and dust raised by large uh, truck traffic and unknown effects of breathing air fouled by the smells of chicken litter or especially the incineration of carcasses of chickens that die during the rearing process. So um, I can only imagine, like I mentioned before, with the dog food factory here in Edmond, Oklahoma, that the smell is, oh, is, is fucking overwhelming sometimes here but the smell of chicken carcasses with from 50 different chicken houses within two miles of your house has got to be like it's got to be ridiculous yeah like it's got to be ridiculous fuck yeah and then on top of that too i I found that really interesting what he said um uh the the road maintenance because it's just like this is like one of those things where uh (laughs) Like, no one, everybody just acts like roads appear out of the blue, you know? People just kind of assume they're natural or something. It's like, no, this is something that the state supports for big companies, you know? And and it's a thing that affects us whenever they try and do this shit that they don't want to pay for. And that's got nothing to do with chicken shit. It's just got to do with the fact that they take advantage of this stuff. And then, and then they leave us with the shit. That's why, as a true libertarian, I only drive I, I think last time meant to say off-road, but... <laughs> a true libertarian. Oh, man. Well, speaking of true somethings, 
uh, <laughs> we want to move on to this week's uh, conservative reading list. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, you should strap I in for fucking it. this one. <laughs> I, I just I saw the it. title, and I was like, what the shit? I had to do it. I was, trying to, I was trying to get away from the editorial board, and then I saw this one, and I was like, I don't, I don't have an option. You know, you really don't, and I just like I'm all Folks, pretty upset. We're back on our bullshit, <laughs> Oklahoma editorial. <laughs> That's actually yes. the subtitle of his article. <laughs> Shit, fuck it, Thank God it's... we've made it back. We're, we're 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 to a place where we're intimately familiar with. We're we're going back to our roots, y'all. All right, yeah, I like we're just... just just starting off. I like how the photograph that they have is a Walmart with empty shelves. <laughs> is it a Walmart? No, it's got or. I don't know. I can't tell. It doesn't say where it's from, so it very well could be a Walmart. That's a Walmart. No, it's, no, it's, 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 it's yeah. A see the smiley smile. face? It's a Walmart. Oh yeah. Okay, that's true. Also, yeah. do you see the dead looks on all the people's faces and how? Um... <laughs> yeah, of course. It's... Yeah, you got that blue apron. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's called "Too Many Ignore History's Lessons," and it was published on Thursday, July nineteenth, by our friends at the Oklahoman Editorial Board. Well, you, you know, you know. Um, you know who it is. You know the name. <laughs> we back. We in it. This is, we I think, g- the... With the yaks and the blah, blah. <laughs> this, this might be the first one from them where I'm not like, yeah, they started off good. Yeah, they started off good. Because they did not start off good. Um, uh, they started with. Tuesday marked a century since the killing of Russian Tsar Nicholas II and his family. And that's all who, the Russian that's, people that's rejoiced. Yay! <laughs> I guess normally they get like the full first paragraph is okay. Yeah, it's not. this is. <laughs> that, no, they didn't um, even make it that far. <laughs> um, that few Americans recognize the significance of this event is less disturbing than the growing ignorance of what transpired in the century that followed. <laughs> it's like, oh, so you oh my God. around for a century. It didn't start when they executed the czar. Oh like my God, I'm so, I'm so amazed. The monarchy was good. I, I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't aware that this article was just going to be about the Vietnam War and American imperialism over the last hundred years. That's amazing. Let's uh, okay, let's let's dive in. I'm ready to listen. Let's go. Let's go. Well, we we all know that in America we respect monarchies. Okay. We were just talking about monarch butterflies. Okay. I don't know why we keep jumping between. Like, are we killing them? Are we not killing them? What are we doing? Monarchs good? Are they bad? Goddamn John Kerry. We're liberals that can't make up our minds. God damn it. Man, I'm just really glad that in 1776 we kept the monarch, you know? That's what it was about, right? Um, Okay, let's keep going. Today, many Americans remain either ignorant of or indifferent to the human misery caused by (laughs) communism and socialism. Not just in Russia decades ago, but elsewhere in recent years. The communist model embraced in the Soviet Union after killing the Tsar resulted in massive death. It's true. I, I, the destruction. Of, it did. Of it did Russia. actually. It resulted in the massive death of most Nazis. <laughs> Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> most Nazis. Well, it's it's not communist on its own terms. They would never call it communist. It was always really existing socialism because they had this weird Marxist-Leninist thing, you know, where they were like socialism. It's, it's a trans- transitory phase. But again, it's just 
historically wrong. Well, yeah, but they haven't. They they're they're dog. yelling about history, but the last time that whoever wrote this article had a his, like read about history was in a history book in a classroom in 1973. And so yeah, there's no way that they, they didn't read it. They haven't read anything that Lenin wrote. They haven't read anything that Marx wrote. They haven't read anything that Trotsky wrote. They haven't read any contemporary histories of Russia. They haven't. All they've done. Ironically, is, we've all read the same textbooks because we can't get anything new in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all on the same page, actually. Actually, I, what I think they read was the one history historian they've ever read was Ernst Malta, the famous German historian who who is world renowned for saying actually the Soviet Union was worse than Hitler. Um, that's probably the only historian they know. Isn't that uh, a crime in Germany? <laughs> Uh, not if you do it, not if you do it right. People I, are still mad about it. Uh, I like how they say the communists right. killed, <laughs> they say the communists killed the czar and established the Soviet Union as if they like all, all together without any infighting or any like differences in how to execute. They're just like, yes, this is what they did all at once with no contention. I also no, that they don't, they no don't even, so they don't even recognize that monarchies are fucking awful. <laughs> well, also, I, I, I want to talk about some of it, some of what they're going to say later, just because very soon, because it's like, hmm, what what was going on in the czar times? I don't know. <laughs> what what about them uh, them czar times? Keep keep keep, keep going, because I think yeah. it's going to be good. <laughs> it's true the destruction owed much to the dictatorial nature of the Soviet Union's ruling class, but it also owed much to the predictable consequences of communism. Like somewhere, Harold Hamm is literally jerking himself off with it. Like mm. that's not a joke. That is true. Um, I, These were predictable consequences. We all knew. Um, but this is this is where it's gonna get really good for a bit. Um, historian David Satter writes that a 1932-1933 famine that killed millions was quote caused by draconian fuck me. Draconian grain requisition undertaken to finance Soviet industrialization. Marion Smith, executive director of the Victims of Communism Memorial <laughs> Foundation, writes, Far from ushering in a more equitable society, socialist movements that subscribe to Marxist ideology engendered a new form of slavery in the modern world. In the USSR, unenthusiastic work, unenthusiastic work was considered a treasonous offense, counter-revolutionary sabotage that resulted in prison or death. Whenever a factory or harvest underperformed arbitrary regime quotas, the laborers were blamed for sabotaging, sabotaging the revolution. When the 1932 har Ukrainian harvest underperformed after Joseph Stalin collectivized farms, he blamed the farmers and workers and forced them to starve en masse. Millions I, perished. I like uh, that they had to put Joseph in parentheses. In parentheses as if there's just true. a bunch of so uh, Stalins that triple parentheses chose Joseph Joe Stalin, famously not anti-Semitic. Um. <laughs> well, okay, okay, you know, I, I, I really hope our, our listening population and also us, like, I mean, we've read a lot of history and, like, we can have a long conversation about, like, why these things happened with, like, in historical context, not just being like, their economic model caused them to be dictators and they, they starved their people because they were mean. Well, they're but, also like, starting this with... Grain reacquisition is what caused the uh, starvation. But then, where did all the grain go under the czar? Where did that go? Yeah. Where did, also, where did everything also, produced under the czar go? They're talking about a famine. 
in in the USSR, which happened all the fucking time before the Soviet Union Union came into existence. It's yeah, just a normal the, uh... thing in agrarian societies that when the weather is bad, there's a yeah, fucking no. famine. <laughs> well, not just uh, no, that, I'm but we're sure we're, we're, we're... because of Bolsheviks, Carl. <laughs> and that, I mean, but we're also at the point where we're starting to they're starting to ramp up for a war effort, and like, it's just insane. The the, the 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 insane changes that happened in the U.S. in preparation for entry to World War II, to 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 look at Russia, the country who, as far as I'm concerned, had a lot more to do with World War II than anybody besides Germany. Uh, to look at them and be like, oh, look at all this crazy stuff that happened in their build-up to war. Like, of course it fucking did. Do you realize we built the city cool. of Los Angeles because of World War II? <laughs> also, just in general, like this kind of shit, like, oh, when societies change from agrarian to industrial, a ton of fucking people die, basically yes. everywhere. Look at the entirety <laughs> of, like, the later half of the 19th century in America. Like, what was the potato famine if uh, not active governmental... <laughs> Like, like the Bengal famine, or in in the the late eighteen hundreds, or or the Irish potato famine, or the fucking Dust Bowl. Well, this All is of like these the, things. This is the only way that these people can process communism is in a vacuum with no context. Because if you said anything about, you know, they're like a grain reacquisition and stuff. If you mention anything about how resources were allocated under the Czar, clearly it's preferable. Then they're See, like, all the people that died, if you mention anything about the people who died during America's industrialization and ramp up to both the wars that we were in, it, the argument becomes moot. It's just they don't contextualize See, I, anything. Well, also, Dude, like, I, I remember reading in the Bible, right, in the King James Version, <laughs> specifically, about, about, about the, there was a, a czar period, right, historically, where it was basically an Eden, and as soon as the czar was overthrown, that is when God started to smite people with famines, <laughs> and... I still you know, I fucked up Bible there, Parker. Do I? I, I think it's Parker. Pretty, did did a man in a parking lot give you this Bible? Was he the new King James? <laughs> it was handwritten. <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> did you get it from some like hoteps or something? Uh, uh, but the, also the other thing I want to say about this whole oh food oh food was so. You know, we just had a thing about how food is so poorly yes, allocated yeah. in Oklahoma that fucking one out of four kids in the state don't have food security. And yet, <laughs> mm -hmm. and yet with any context or it immediately just falls apart. Yeah, it's just, and also some of this other shit like, oh, if you don't work well, it's it's a treasonous offense that results in prison or death. What happens if you don't work well, if you, quote unquote, don't work well in America? Oh, you lose health care. And you, you go to jail. You lose access to health care. Let's be fucking you, real. You, you go to jail. Yeah, let's, let's, let's not talk about at-will employment here in Oklahoma, okay? Because I definitely have to constantly have a smile on my face at work. Or, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay, but let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Because... Uh, Probably the right's favorite country is uh, going to oh. pop up in the next paragraph. Um, socialism word and communism. To start with a V. Yeah, word of the day. Yes, it starts with a V. Um, I'm just thinking of the SpongeBob meme where he opens up. Never mind. Continue. Yeah. Um, socialism and communism continue to generate similar outcomes wherever they are implemented. With Venezuela a prominent example. Well, Venezuela embraced state control of much of the economy for decades. That trend was turbocharged starting in 1998. Writing for the Mises Institute last October, 
Rafael Avacedo and Cuando Venezuela de, uh, describe the outcome. Before I like before we read what they're describing here, um, number one, both of those people have family members that have killed communists and right-wing death squads. I 100% believe that. They have done that. Um, entirely true. <laughs> also, what about Cuba's health service? I don't know. Yeah, they never, I don't know. They don't bring up Cuba anymore when they talk about socialism. Well, they, it, it, it's because it's cause they fucking can't. Is yeah, of course they, not. No. If they tried to talk about Cuba, they'd have to be like, oh, well, you see, Cuba's actually great. <laughs> yeah, because they're like, oh, wait, everyone has health care, housing, a guaranteed education, and food security. And, uh, but and they send bad. more doctor they send more doctors to third world countries per head, per doctor, not per capita, but per doctor than any other country in the world. Yeah, they literally And they know how to recover world. after a fucking hurricane. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's Puerto Rico fucking doing? Hey, that's not capitalism's fault. Let's all be honest. Probably the people... The problem uh, is there's not enough capitalism article. there. Yeah, if they had more... It, they could buy what they needed. Problem, if you just pour more capitalism on it, it gets better. Um... <laughs> Okay, let's let's get let's talk about this. Let's let's read what these fucking war criminals at the fucking Mises Institute have to say. Um, oh. So, what are the results <laughs> of socialism in Venezuela? They Mise. Wrote? The the Mise. It's, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's it's, it's some kind of code word. Um, <laughs> it was, quoting them again. It was, there was an encrypted file on the Hillary server. I don't. <laughs> I can't. I can't help you with that one. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, okay, so, so reading this, this quote they pulled. So, what are the results of socialism in Venezuela, they wrote? Well, we have experienced hyperinflation. We have people eating garbage, schools that do not teach, hospitals that do not heal, long and humiliating lines to buy flour, bread, and basic medicines. Wait a another, second. This is another wait, one of those wait, things. Wait, wait, wait. They have schools that do not teach. They have hospitals <laughs> that do not heal. Where they like, okay, so state control, um, we're going to change everything. Now hospitals teach. Um, schools heal. I don't, I don't yeah, understand. They, that's socialism <laughs> for you. You get a five-year plan and you say, well, now the school is a hospital. Um, yeah, uh, you just work buck. You wonder why the bread lines the take so long because so. they're trying to teach people in line. <laughs> God fucking damn it. But it's, just, it's, another, it's, a, it's, a, it's just another one of those things where if you look at context, Maybe the fact that the U.S. has been trying to sabotage the Venezuelan economy since Hugo Chavez was elected might have an effect on it. I don't know. Maybe um, the fact that in 2014 oil prices tanked like a motherfucker. That didn't affect Oklahoma's economy at all. Totally didn't. No, it was fine. Not to mention the fact that the U.S. war on drugs has enabled like some of the most powerful cartel leaders to gain a bunch of power in Venezuela. Yeah, Absolutely. And they they say they they say this long and humiliating lines to buy flour, bread, and basic medicine. Like, who's you? Like, are people standing outside of these lines just jeering these other folks? Because that sounds like yeah, a what's very humiliating about standing... thing to do. <sighs> well, it's because so they've stupid. created a stigma. <laughs> anyway, continue, Carl. <laughs> yeah. Um... This is worth noting because polling shows many Americans think socialism is preferable to capitalism. Clap, clap, a poll clap, commissioned clap, clap. last year by the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation found 44% of American millennials would rather live in a socialist society than a capitalist one. Just 42% said the opposite. I wonder fucking why. Maybe yeah, there's I a wonder, reason why. What does that say about the capitalist system when the uh, people are wanting to live in the socialist system even if you portray it this way? <laughs> well, and this is... 
I mean, this is a this is like what they have to do here, right? This is the whole point of this article is to say, oh, you think it's fucking bad here? Well, if you look at the shittiest parts of socialist history, it's bad. So that. So that you don't fucking say anything. So that instead you just put your your fucking head between your knees and you fucking you just suck it up and, and you, you get ground to death and then you turn into fucking you know a, a hamburger for some rich person to eat. That's the whole Dude, point of this article. We have the straw campaign going right now, and um, how we combat that is we're gonna give everybody a straw so that they can suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, I could probably win a Republican seat somewhere on that slogan. I'm fairly confident. You could. You actually well, I mean, could. You know all those people who are in the Congo just being like, man, good thing we're not in the Soviet Union right now. Good thing we like King Leopold making sure we live in this capitalist paradise. I heard the Soviet Union, they chopped both of your hands off. <laughs> um, okay, they continue though. Um, in New York City last month, a socialist ousted a longtime Democratic congressman in a primary. How oh, they don't even mention her name? No, they don't. Um, Why would they? She's a dirty, uh, dirty, dirty communist. Shout out Ocasio Cortez. Yeah, Maine Bay friendship ended with Bernie <laughs> Sanders. Um, uh, she declared in a recent PBS interview, "Capitalism has not always existed in the world, and will not always exist in the world." And like. <laughs> You can't argue whoa, with whoa, the whoa, first whoa, part whoa. of that statement. That's what do you think like, human nature is, Carl? Yeah, it's not always existed. Excuse me? Listen, okay, capitalism is the natural evolution of things, and if we don't allow that to happen, then we are going counter to, to nat, nat, nature. And if you go counter to nature, then you just might as well marry a man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, it, but they didn't use the word evolve, so I have this really weird internalized confliction right now because I do not believe in that uh, Albert. What was his name? He did a he did a thing with, with, the, with the pigeons and uh, uh, Darwin. We don't believe in that bullshit. It's about Jesus. It's about, about creationism. About the Bible. Capitalism okay. has always existed in the world since it was created six thousand years ago. <laughs> Well, get through the end of this article because I think this yeah. is the last bit is the best. Yeah, this is Tastiest good. morsel. Um, <laughs> those who embrace the socialist label often argue there's a difference between socialism and communism. Even though communism is socialist ideology taken to its logical extreme. <laughs> and it's true some countries have adopted soft socialism without the brutal authoritarianism of the Soviet Union. Why write the fucking article? Why write the article? <laughs> Why write the article at all, guys? You just, you just ruined Admit it. it. There's no point. You fucked it. <laughs> um, Why do you they, concede to these heathens? Yeah. Well, here's, here's how they try and save it to finish out the article, which is important. Um, but even in those situations, socialism consistently falls short of producing the widespread benefit created by free market capitalism. That many people appear willfully blind to this fact is cause for concern. Only those who pay attention to history <laughs> can avoid repeating its harshest lessons. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. I love paying attention to history. Yep. I... For... For a bunch of people that regularly are like, you know, what if we repeal banking regulations after like 2009, 2007, 2008, 2009, after the 30s and so on? It's like, man, take some of your own fucking lessons. And also, um, widespread benefit produced by capitalism. Mm. <laughs> it's <laughs> Wide, widespread amongst the people that live in my neighborhood. It's <laughs> uh, I also love that they can they can focus on the the 
all you know we, we they can cherry pick all the bad stuff that happened in the communist past not deal with the theory not really deal with the history but just kind of cherry pick but they're just like also you're not allowed to discuss what happens in america today with anything everything well, yeah. is great Capitalism is amazing, like and there's slaves. no fallout bad points <laughs> that you can cherry pick back. Okay, do not even try. Well, also like to be like you need to remember your history, and then cherry pick stuff. It's like I literally work in an office that is like a historian factory, right? It's where history is produced. History is not facts. You don't just say facts. It has nothing to do with that. That's literally not history at all. It's not what historians do as a job. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So stupid. Well, no, history is bullet points devoid of context that you use to defeat your opponents with logic. That's what history is for. There's a whole idea, right? There's nothing else to it. Well, history about... is exclusively for setting up straw mans, isn't it? Uh, I thought it was. Well, now I got rid of the straws. Straw on fire, being like, it's true. Some of adopted it without the authoritarianism, but you know, that wasn't the whole premise of our article. It wasn't the whole premise. No. Um, but yeah, here 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 are some socialist events um, for the week. Uh, on Thursday, July twenty sixth, the Solidarity Through Food Kitchen will be prepping meals from one to four p.m. You can contact them or us uh, through their Facebook page to find out where it will be, and we're gonna have a link that you can donate to them. Uh, at on the Reddit post, and then on Friday, July 27th, the new Sanctuary Network of Tulsa will have its weekly protest from 12 to 12.20 in front of David Almas. So if you work in downtown Tulsa and you're on your lunch break, go tell ICE to stop being the Gestapo, maybe. Um, and if you can make it, otherwise, just go. You know, that's that's good stuff. And so, yeah, that's, that's what's going on this week, everybody. And as always, you can check us out on Twitter at Red Star Over OK. Our subreddit is R Red Star Over Oklahoma. SoundCloud and iTunes are where you can listen. Questions, comments, complaints, concerns, anything else, you can send them to redstaroverok at gmail.com. And gay guys, please tell your friends about us and rate and review on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Bye. Later.